Welcome to another episode of the App Guy podcast. I'm your host, it's Paul Kemp, and I go around the world to find out uh, who we can speak to to help us with our startups, with our app entrepreneurial businesses. I love to get uh, the actual entrepreneurs, uh, you know, who are building this stuff. And also, uh, I've been really focused on trying to get more of the, uh, from the investment side. And I've got a great guest. We're going to talk about um, series round funding and uh, how they can help uh, in terms of investments. So stay tuned for this episode. Let me introduce uh, the uh, chief strategy uh, officer. His name is uh, Arnie Swiss Kandaraja. What is the collective and uh, what, what are you doing there to help uh, entrepreneurs? Sure. Um, the collective is actually a group of businesses which um, originally started in the property development and management area about four years ago with the founder of Res the Merchant. Um, and then it's now developed partly through uh, the buildings we're building needing to have mixed use. We realize actually there's an element of co-working that we can introduce there. Um, and given the management of the team have all been entrepreneurial or have entrepreneurial backgrounds, we decided in, you know we should add that interest to the business itself so we had all this space for co-working and due to the success of our main business we were able to start looking at uh, putting together an investment fund as well so we developed a slightly new brand within that group called the elevator and the elevator has two specific areas one is uh, working high quality working spaces which we've launched in london and the other side of the business this is the investment fund which targets uh, businesses which are post-seed, pre-Series A, who are looking to kind of build some more traction up before they can go for a, in their words, a blockbuster Series A round. Wonderful. And uh, why pick the American word, the elevator? Could we not use the lift? <laughs> um, it's a really good question. Uh, and I think the word came across mainly because we do borrow heavily um, on the Americanisms and the whole Silicon Valley culture to really promote startups and bring that kind of mentality over to the UK and, you know, and into Europe. Um, so I guess that's where we came up with the elevator. And I think it's a little play on the elevator pitch, etc. Yeah, I was thinking that because you never really say, give us your one minute lift pitch, do you? You say one minute elevator pitch. So you're right. It's definitely culture from the Silicon Valley. Yeah, I think, I think uh, you know, personally, I don't think emulating some of the, some trends from the US is a good thing. I think we need to put on our own twist on it. Um, which hopefully we are doing. And I think the London scene as a whole is developing its own culture, but it's hard to uh, not to take some learnings from Silicon Valley. So so, so I do have uh, a good apps to tribe listening to this right now who are looking to raise uh, money, raise funding. And uh, I know that I've spoken to many entrepreneurs who are going through this process. What sort of uh, ranges do you focus on in terms of the size of the funding? We typically can go as low as 50,000. We tend not to. We try to invest. Our ticket size tend to vary between 100,000 and half a million pounds. Um and we're happy to be sole or lead investors. So the last four investments we've made, we've been lead investors on. And I think we've averaged around £200,000 in terms of ticket size as well. 
Wonderful. What sort of things are you looking for in a business? Or, you know, are you able to have a certain checklist of things that they need to achieve for you to even start looking at these uh, companies and these entrepreneurs? Yeah, I mean, we've tried to be as transparent as possible because I think it's important for entrepreneurs to understand what an investor really wants before approaching. So things we look at um, are you know, the companies should have at least invested in themselves or got a small angel round of at least £50,000 to get their MVP tested out, which is, tends to be enough money in London to get a decent app tested. Um, then we're looking at the market size of that app, a realistic market size. You know, we've, it's not a case of the sh- if you're doing a shaving subscription business, for example, you know, your market size isn't every the whole shaving industry it's a very it's a proportion of that and it's we're looking at that proportion being minimum kind of half a billion pounds um in the uk and in, or if you're looking for internationally speaking in the uk and the first two three countries you're trying to expand to if that makes sense yeah that that does so what you're doing is you're looking at the underlying market and the market should be a, a, a sizable market for the, the potential success because I'm guessing you're looking at the upside and you're expecting uh, a return on your money of what t- 20 times um, investment yeah I think 20 is a good number to kind of aim for uh, I think it's it, it's difficult to obviously a lot of these numbers are guesstimates to say the least uh, but I think a 20x is a reasonable uh, estimate of what we'd like to kind of have as a return um, but I think we also put a lot of <clears throat> emphasis on the quality of the business lines that come through. We really focus on how uh, these entrepreneurs have come to measuring their own market size, the thinking behind it, because I think it, sh- it reveals a lot about their commercial awareness and the way they'll be approaching business. So that's for us, it's a huge factor. It's obviously uh, slightly challenging sometimes, especially in the app world, because uh, monetization strategies tend to come out after you've had a successful hit. Uh, For example, we recently chatted on this show in a past episode to the uh, co-founder of Sumall, and uh, the monetization strategy for that didn't really come out until that you know got a lot of users and it was then a successful app, and and then they figured out ways to monetize. Uh, and, And do you find is that very important to have app entrepreneurs who have a very solid idea of how they're going to monetize their app or, or uh, is it kind of worth looking at you know other metrics uh, like no no that's a really good point i mean i was probably referring to things more generally before so when it comes down to apps i think our approach is less looking at revenue and looking at the users um I think that's really important, especially with apps. I think one of the metrics that we've become very strict on is the ability, or I guess the active user versus total downloads type scenario. Um, you know, I think there's plenty of data out there, there's plenty of articles on the fact that, you know, after, after you download an app, only 20% of people will use the app on a subsequent day or any time in that year. I think there's data around that point. I can't quite tell you exactly where I read that or where we found that out. So for us, it's really it's not always about the headline numbers of total downloads. Um, it's all about having active users. And if you can show an uh, active user growth base growing month on month, for us, that's as impressive as having a strong revenue growth for any other type of business that we look at. 
Yeah, that that's uh, invaluable advice, and everyone listening should be taking that on board because uh, there was a time where we used to focus on this: uh, how many downloads did you get? And, uh, and as you say, quite rightly, you're absolutely on the money there. Where you know a lot of these users don't stick around, and uh, it doesn't obviously help monetization strategy because unless you're going to charge for an app uh, and get some kind of upfront payment immediately, uh, there's there's no monetization if the users go and and, and leave. Uh, after the first using the app. So uh, a- active users is one metric. Do you have any other metrics that you tend to look at? It de- I guess it depends on uh, on the type of app we're looking at. You know, uh, one of the apps we've recently invested in was very much focused on enabling e-commerce platforms to convert, essentially. Um, it, it was an app which is essentially an affiliate marketing platform. Um, so things that we we were looking at there was you know the the number of it's not always about the active users the number of sessions of people using it the kind of the baskets is of the customers who clicked through and went on to use um, and the conversion from active users to customers who actually click through into the website and then transact it but you know that's that kind of metric comes in when you're looking to monetize. It's not something that you can really look at pre-monetization. Um, sorry, go on. Yeah, well, Arnie, I was just, I'm getting really excited because uh, it, it must be so cool doing your job. I was thinking, I, I used to work in the city and in finance and uh, I was involved in a lot of earnings meetings that we had with large corporates. It was dull. It was boring. You know, the uh, it was this fascination on, uh, on looking at all the underlying accounts, but you you get to uh, you know meet with some great entrepreneurs and uh, fascinating new business models, and it's all you know I guess very disruptive and and new and groundbreaking. How much fun is it doing what you do? Yeah, it's strange. I get I get asked that question a relatively large amount. Um, there's definitely it's definitely very exciting meeting people with great ideas and the energy. It's contagious and it kind of helps you drive on, you know, when you're looking at 10 to 20 business plans in a week um, and then you meet the guys behind it. And that's when it gets quite exciting. Um, but it's, there's also a huge tendency, I'm, sh- I'm sure many of the listeners will, will can appreciate, a very similar businesses cropping up in very niche markets. Um, and I guess that being able to kind of pull away from getting tired of the same business models and appreciating the new ideas and new takes on people. That's where the excitement is. And that's where we try to focus our time on because that's what you, that's where you really get energy and you, you get really get excited about. It's quite easy for us to kind of get bogged down on the same models. You know, an example of that would be the beauty and wellbeing space at the moment, or shall I say kind of the Uber for beauty type business model. Uh, it's an area that we've been looking at and we've seen 12 in London already. Um, there's nothing unique about any of the 12 and it's kind of frustrating for us because there's nothing disruptive. And so it's easy to get bogged down in those things. And sometimes we need to pull back and go, look, we're not going to look at that area. Let's step back and look at the industry as a whole again and look for more exciting opportunities. And that then drives us to look at, drives us in terms of our interests and in terms of getting excited. So it's it's not all super exciting. There are times at which you get bogged down like you would with any other job. Um, and I guess another... Another misconception, I guess, from this perspective is, you know, a lot of the time we're actually being quite negative about things. Um, it's, you know, we'll see 
I don't know, tip, I don't know, maybe 30, 40 ideas last week and only about three or four were particularly exciting. And then you have to be relatively negative and let down people for 36, 36 out of the 40 opportunities. Um, you know, that takes its toll. You know, telling people, you know, what, your, your idea isn't for us and this is kind of the feedback, even if you're trying to be positive and give them constructive feedback, you're still saying no. So unfortunately, there are there are some downsides to the to the job and uh, to what we do. Yeah, actually, that that is a point, isn't it? Where you uh, I think, again, I'm, I haven't got the exact statistic, but there's a majority of uh, firms or startups fail. That's uh, a given, and so you and you don't have any magic formula. Obviously, if you did, you'd be doing these things yourself and not just simply investing. And uh, and uh, so it must be quite hard to to be presented with so many uh, business models and then have to let these people down. But, you know, again, there's a lot of people in the audience who want to be uh, entrepreneurs, who want to be sitting that other side of the desk, you know, pitching to you. What type of person do you tend to meet that that does? you know, this stuff that becomes a, an entrepreneur and especially in the app world. Have you got like a typical person you could describe to us? Um, in all fairness, I think, I think there's a huge variety of people that, I, that I've met and not always at the uh, investment committee table, but out and about when we're, when we're out kind of networking with app entrepreneurs, etc. I think a lot of, I think, I think apps has this ability to kind of bring a lot of, a lot of interest to it. I think people who aren't necessarily technically orientated also get interested in the app world and able to find co-founders or tech co-founders, but they themselves aren't and they still push it forward. Um, but I guess the people who tend to really to really be interesting to us are the guys who've, um, who show serious passion in what they're trying to achieve. You know, they really identify the problem and they everything the whole kind of demeanor about it, the conversation, the way they kind of present it to you with a lot of passion. I think that really does make a difference to us. You know, it's, and if, if you can get that passion across when speaking about it, even if it's just an informal conversation or whether you're pitching it um, in, in a boardroom of a VC or an early stage investors building, I think passion is hugely important because that gives us some insight as to why you're doing the business. Um, but then also starts as allowing us to think about how you'd be able to actually execute on this vision that you have. And I think the word execution is overused at the moment, but it's, it's almost, it's 90% of the success story is the execution ability of the founders or the main person driving their business forward. Uh, so yeah, passion is very important, Arnie, obviously, um, you know, given that uh, a lot of the episodes that we've had on this show, uh, almost the the key to success seems to be to have a very uh, passionate view of uh, the, the industry or the uh, app that you're trying to put into the world that is disrupting. And uh, I wondered if you had uh, any stories of, um, you know, big wins or big missed op opportunities that you could talk about. I know that there's got to be some kind of confidentiality on some of the clients that you work with, but there must have been a few times where you kicked the wrong people out of the room or I don't know if you're, you've got any good stories like you know that you could tell us we don't have enough of a history to kind of really reveal anything as of yet but there's definitely been a couple of opportunities where you know we a huge i guess let's if i reframe the, uh, the thought a little bit in terms of sometimes 
you'll find a really good opportunity will come come through to us and you've but every other investor will will have uh, will have also seen it or would have smelt it and already moving on that business opportunity so when you have a great business idea or a great app um, there's a good chance a lot of people will be very interested so then then the whole game changes and it becomes a fight amongst investors to get involved as opposed to entrepreneurs struggling really hard to get investment there is there is a tipping point with certain businesses and we've definitely been involved in two or three investment opportunities where we've been up against the wall in terms of timings and having to get a term sheet out and then negotiate valuations up because there's other people involved who also are willing to invest then it's an interesting i guess it's a really interesting situation for the entrepreneur where they've got multiple offers coming in and, eat, and they are then in the process of, of kind of weighing them up and not wondering how they want to fit all the investors in or do they just want two or three um, and then you know we've missed out on one particular opportunity we're slightly gutted about missing out on just because we moved a little too late and missed a particular round so there, there are situations like that as well as the other way around of course yeah i, I guess that's re- revealing one of the myths about the venture capital industry and and the whole investment side is that you, because of uh, shows like Dragon's Den or in the US, if you're listening to this Shark Tank, there's this uh, perception that it's, um, you know, there's a, uh, a fist fight to get this money. And, uh, you know, there's, there's a lot of negativity. And yet, actually, you, your, uh, I guess your whole focus is for the success of the company, the success of the app entrepreneur. And so you, you have to groom them up and be nice to them and, and work with them and, and be supportive. Is that right? Absolutely. I mean, there there are fundamentally like two or three stages of all of these things, and I think some people call them marriages. Um, other people call them various other analogies for it. You know, there's, there's the whole phase of wooing each other, right? You know, the entrepreneurs trying to pitch to the early stage university at three or four meetings. You're having lots of back and forth, and you're revealing bits of information about each other in order to kind of get to the stage where which you sign the piece of paper. And at each stage, both both parties are trying to get the best possible deal out of each other. From the investor side, you want to get this best type of valuation and the best term sheet that allows you to be de-risked, but it also allows you to help where necessary. From an entrepreneur's perspective, you want to get as much out of the investor in terms of connections and also get a pretty good valuation and not give away too much of your business. So there's that, that whole kind of negotiation period at the start. And then you have your, kind of your terms agreed, nailed down. And I guess that's when things really change because the investor has to keep putting on two different hats. The one hat is like keeping them kind of cracking the whip, so to speak, to make sure the business is keeping to forecast, keeping to the plans and the founders really pushing the business on. But then also being able to be the slightly more empathetic person going, okay, where in our state, in our instance anyway, where can we come in? Where can we help? You know, is there particular connections that you need us to make in order to push your business on? You know, are there any fundamentals that aren't going quite to plan that we can actually use some of our team to come in and help out on? You know, typically VCs might allow them to use one of, allow an FD to come in, come on from their own team onto their venture to support them with, you know, some of the more technical aspects of the finances. So things like that. So it's, it's a constant kind of rejigging in terms of how that relationship develops. Um, but the undertones of it has to remain positive for there to be a huge amount of utility to be kind of drawn out of it. You know, and I think that's, 
not all, I, th- I think most VCs kind of, or most investors at least, like to keep that relationship positive. There are definitely VCs out there and investors out there who, who prefer the more old-fashioned, kind of purely looking at the numbers and really driving the founders on and do less as a support. But I think there's been a general trend between more supportive investor um, in more recent times. And I think we reflect the kind of more modern version of that as opposed to the more historic perception that people have of the whole investor world. So, Arnie, in the last um, few minutes before we say goodbye, I do have one or two normal questions that I tend to ask. I'm going to throw those away because uh, having investors on this show is, is very rare. We've got about 5% of previous guests who are uh, sitting your side of the table. And uh, there's two more things I'd love to ask. One is uh, a lot of the app entrepreneurs listening to this perhaps already have angel investment, but they've never really gone through a series uh, round. And uh, I wondered if you could give us some guidance on what typically uh, you know, when say you have a successful investment, what can those uh, entrepreneurs do with the money? Are there any particular restrictions? Can they start paying themselves a salary, for example? Do you have any guidance on uh, what you can do when you actually get you know money investment from yourself? Yeah, I mean, typically there'll be terms within that which are, you know prevents the entrepreneur of going out there and buying a yacht on company money. But um, you know, there there will be limitations. Um, of course, there'll, there'll be some people give themselves pay rises and some people will actually start paying themselves. Um, most term sheets will have a limitation of what percentage of the investment can go towards HR and how that's kind of spread, especially um, you probably need to have an investor director approve any salary changes for management, which was essentially what the founders will be. Um, so there'll be restrictions on that area. There'll also be, from, our, from my experience, there's also will be kind of limitations on any significant spend, whether it be marketing or whether it be kind of office move, etc. These things will all have to be approved by the board investor. Um, but I think what's really important to bear in mind, if you've negotiated, negotiated with a reasonable investor, is all the clauses that are in there, all, all the restrictions are there to prevent any any ridiculous manoeuvres by an entrepreneur, uh, you know, you, you, they won't allow you to typically go and pay a t- TV company half a million pounds to do an advertising campaign, for example, without having tested it in the past, etc. And also they won't you know, allow you to go and, go and get a swanky office in the middle of the city, either without any rationale for it. So it's all about... Um, building an understanding of why you're doing larger spends and rationalizing it and then you can get an approval uh, but you know it's just there to prevent any silly spending and taking focus away from the core business yeah and the reason i ask is that we have had uh, entrepreneurs on this show who have gone through uh, some of them have gone through extremely high burn rates and they realize that they've made mistakes they've uh, pay, overpaid for developers and hr and uh, they've built features that are not particularly um you know, moving the business forward. And uh, I just feel like it's good advice to let anybody know that there are some restrictions on what you can do. And actually that's for the benefit of the company and ultimately for the benefit of you as an entrepreneur uh, to to, um, to have those restrictions in place. Uh, okay, so we're letting a few people down. They know they can't go and just buy a yacht and they've made it. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. Uh, the la- so the last thing is that, um, uh, again, 
we're offering the app entrepreneurs listening to this an opportunity to listen to you. And, and I think a lot of these people would love to be able to get in front of someone like yourself. Have you got any guidance uh, for pitching to you, getting through to you, getting your attention and trying to be one of those four people out of 36 or 40 that uh, t- tends to get through? Um, I guess there's two parts to that question, really. One is like, how do you actually get in contact with me? And I guess going through our website and dropping uh, dropping a message through there would be a, one method. But to really kind of get my interest and with whatever you're sending through, whether it's a two-pager or a one-pager or PowerPoint, is um, fundamentally what the most interesting things to me are, or entrepreneurs coming through me are really understanding what the problem is and being able to frame it in a very short in a very short piece of writing within two or three lines really explain what the problem is and within a couple of lines also explaining what your solution so i'll just repeat that a bit i guess um i guess the most important way to kind of get through to me and really catch my attention is to be able to explain the problem you're trying to solve within a couple of sentences and then what your solution how your solution fits that problem equally in a couple of sentences as well because it's because that really shows to me that you really understand the problem and you can succinctly put it forward and then you you've got a solution that actually fits that problem very well because you know being able to kind of describe the situation or a problem in a short piece piece of text shows that you have a full understanding of the of the concept and the and the issue at hand so i think that's really important and then everything else that we look for and uh, it, it's it's all secondary to that um and i'm sure multiple investors and there's many websites out there which explain the other areas what we that investors look at so i won't delve too deep into that that is great advice and i have to say it's almost like full circle from the start of this uh, episode where we talked about your name the elevator and uh the, the fact that it is an elevator pitch and, uh, you know, that that's either in an email or in a communicate, any communication to you. Uh, people need to figure out what their core message is. Uh, and I know I've been on mess, uh, uh, chats with entrepreneurs and people try to pitch me ideas. Uh, and if it takes 20 minutes to get through what, what the concept is, it, it's almost like losing my interest. And, and so I can imagine it's the same for you. Uh, and so it's grabbing that attention and getting that across. Yeah. Uh, absolutely you know if you if you wanted to sell a product as your business and it takes you 20 minutes to sell you know you can have people slamming the phone down on you or walking away from you so it works from that side as well so it's very important to completely understand what your business is and what the problem or the solution is and really getting that course succinctly and professionally as possible well thank you very much Arnie for joining us on this show I mean you've helped out a, a lot of entrepreneurs who uh, don't get access to people like yourself and uh, and uh, we'll potentially will be, you know, p- possibly meeting you in the future, hopefully, and uh, being able Fingers to pitch crossed. an idea. So uh, I know that, that um, if anyone wants uh, links to th- things that we've mentioned or to, to get in touch with you, you should go to theappguy.co and go to episode 284. Uh, and I'll, I'll put links on there to your website. But but is that the best way of getting in touch with you? Is it through your website? Um, yeah, I think it's the easiest method, but you know, there are many other platforms in which you can get in contact, whether it's LinkedIn or uh, uh, AngelList or Angel.co. We're, we're available on all, all, all your usual websites. 
Great. Well, I'll, I'll put links to those. Uh, thank you very much, Arnie, for joining us on the App Guide podcast. All the best with uh, picking. Hopefully, in the UK, you'll get uh, uh, pick pick um, a company that ends up having a multi-billion uh, IPO. And uh, we're, we're waiting for the big one, the big Uber over here. And uh, in the meantime, good, good luck with everything you're doing. Thank you very much, Paul. Mano listeners, I'm offering a curated list of the top things I learned from my podcast during the week, and you get a regular update via email. You need to go to theappguy.co and register, and then you'll get this uh, curated uh, directory of some really awesome content. So theappguy.co, register your email. Thank you very much for listening to this.